Don't get it twisted. This isn't your typical podcast. This is Typical Twist, your one-stop shop podcast for mind-tingling interviews with guests you won't want to miss. So sit back, buckle up, and get ready for a diverse range of topics and discussions with interesting and dynamic people from all walks of life. And now, your hosts, the men themselves, Josh Ludke and Tony Jalloy. Hey guys, welcome back to Typical Twist. It is one of your hosts, Josh Ludke. And I'm joined tonight with the other two co-hosts. Welcome to the show, boys. How are y'all doing? Hey, guys. What's up? I'm doing great, Josh. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We have a big week here at Typical Twist over at Typical Swish. Jake is going to be releasing two episodes this week, not just one, because apparently there's a lot going on in basketball this week. So that's exciting. And then we also have a guest that will be on air on Sunday. So that's exciting too. And you know why it's a big week over there at typical swish, right, Josh? Why is that? Cause the Lakers are in the playoffs. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They made it in. They got a wild card. They did. LeBron's just so good. They're like, ah, you can be in it anyway. I had to do that. I had to, I'm sorry. I had to throw that in there. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's okay. I don't follow sports, and I'm did you proud see of it. that on a post but or something? Same... Or like, what made you say that? Well, I just think that LeBron James is one of the best players. I think he is. I think he's better than Michael Jordan, but that's my opinion. Yeah, well, LeBron is definitely. I don't know talented. if he's better than Michael Jordan, but I just know that LeBron James can do things that a lot of people cannot do on the basketball court. I'll be the especially when it comes to leadership and winning championships. Yeah. I think they both were good and I mean I agree with Chris. I think LeBron probably has Jordan by a few and I'm actually not a, a huge LeBron fan. But you know, I, you got to give credit where credit's due. I have so much respect for his work ethic. Think about how many yeah, hours he's has oh, yeah. spent in the gym to get to where yeah. he is. I, I I wouldn't give him too high of a score in the leadership area, but as a leader of like stats in the league, yeah, but like as a leader of a team, I don't know. I don't think he's a good leader in society, but I definitely think that he leads teams. And that's what his track record proves. Because he's the best on the team? Or the fact of it doesn't matter what team he's on, they're usually in the finals or dang near make it. This year might be an outlier, but he's taken the Cavaliers, the Heat, and the Lakers all to championships. Or maybe not the Cavs. I could be wrong on that. No, I believe he did take the Cavs. to. Uh... Okay, yeah, he played Golden State. I think it was like 2016 or something. Because, of course... Where they came back from the 3-1 lead. yeah. Yeah. That's my neck of the woods. That's Cleveland, and uh, we booted him out because we didn't like him anymore. No, I'm just joking, not really. Um, but uh, but no, I mean, I think LeBron definitely has made his place in history. I mean, me personally, I like Kobe as far I mean, I know Kobe's no longer with us, but I like Kobe's personality and leadership skills more than Jordan's or LeBron's. I think Kobe was just an all-around Mama mentality, baby. Huh? The mama mentality. Yeah, I mean, I do. I think Kobe had so many great traits. Uh, Steve, uh, Steph Curry, I think he does too. Um, 
you know, but yeah, as far as the skill sets, I mean, of course, Jake knows more about this than we do, but I think LeBron probably edges by Jordan a little bit. I mean, not, it's not a whole lot. I mean, it'd probably be, I mean, Jordan in his prime and then LeBron in his prime. I, I don't know who would win one-on-one. Like if somebody's competing, to, you know, that's how we're, you know, grading this. But I mean, I don't know. I, it'd be close. Chris, why do you think he's better? He's just, he's faster. He's, he's a better scorer. He's, I, in every med- measurable metric, he's better. Um, he's raising the bar for how how old you can be in the league. I mean, he like, doesn't have a gambling can... issue. What I mean, even <laughs> and I'm specifically talking about on the court. Like I I don't I could give a shit. Like LeBron kind of pisses me off off the court, but you know that's on you know that's fine. You know he can do whatever he wants. So yeah, yeah, that's what I say too. And when you say gambling, why does Jordan have a gambling issue? Because I I was unaware of that. He went broke because of it, Tony. His net worth is $1.5 billion. Please tell me how he went broke. Michael Jordan? Yeah. Michael Jordan's net worth is one point. He's the, he's the wealthiest NBA player in history. Dude, I'm pretty sure he went broke for a while. Boy, you're he getting it all wrong, aren't you? <laughs> okay, well, you know what? I obviously have no right to be talking I'm about I'm just any giving of you a hard shit, time. I'm giving you so a hard time. So I should shut the fuck up. No, Jordan. Well, enough honestly, about sports. <laughs> I will say this real quick. Honestly, with Jordan's brand deals, I mean, Jordan signed a brand deal with Nike that entitles him to a huge percentage of the Jordan brand for basically as long as it's in business. So Jordan most likely will never go broke. (laughs) He would have to be a big gambler to go broke. I mean, Jordan has the largest NBA franchise. Of I mean, that part LeBron won't touch. I mean, I think Chris will agree with that. LeBron, as far as the branding, the Jordan brand, that, that'll never be outdone by any NBA player. I'll be very surprised. Well, of course. Kobe tried. Kobe Kobe probably was the closest because Kobe really got focused on uh, branding and promoing. And, um, and you know, and honestly, Nike, I think it was Nike. Uh, maybe it was Reebok whenever he first entered the NBA. It may have been Reebok. I can't remember. Anyways, one of the big companies, they actually did take Kobe on, and they were trying to compete against Jordan. But, I mean... Jordan got in early. Jordan was lucky. It wasn't really because he's the better player. That has nothing to do with that. But it's just the fact that the Jordan brand. It has everything to do with business and marketing. Exactly. And the fact that Jordan created his own business. And a lot of these NBA players signed contracts with big companies such as Nike or Adidas. And they yeah. don't necessarily get full control over the decisions that are made or the income that's made off the shoes exactly. or anything. Which is that what matter. I think we're going to talk about in this episode, right? Yeah, we actually are going to talk about that. And we're I will say this because I don't know if you even know this or Chris, but And One is kind of an off, or it was at one time, it was an off branch of the Jordan brand. So he even got like a cut of that. And that was a huge off branch of Nike. It was called And One. I don't know if it's still in, you know. Still I remember in, that when I was a kid. But yeah, I mean, Jordan, Jordan definitely, yeah. I mean, he he could have a lot of gambling issues and still be a billionaire. I'm sure. So he, he's probably pretty good. Yeah, player. very successful brand. Yeah. Kind of like the Trump name. Exactly. There's some words that just stick with people forever. You're right. Love it, love it or hate it. Love well, them you know, or hate them. I th- I'm pretty sure they did a thing uh, back in the mid 2000s and Jordan's name was more recognized than the Nike name itself. So 
um, a lot of people in my age group that grew up during the first round of Jordans, you know, in the eighties, uh, when the Jordans first came out, the Jordan shoes, just do it. A lot of them people actually thought that was a Jordan motto, not a Nike motto. So that's kind of gives you an idea of how huge the Jordan brand really was. Like it, it was more understood as a brand than the brand that was making the Jordan <laughs> shoes. Yeah. And, and, and it, it wasn't like they invested into him just to like, to like plan on his downfall, kind of like how Apple bought beats. Um, yeah. I feel like they, they bought beats just to kill it. And I mean, yeah. that's pretty obvious now they're not investing, you know, anything into the advancement of it. They just <laughs> took it over. Exactly. And to kind of round that into what we're going to discuss, Josh, we could even go with that because think of what Jordan probably had to go through. I think that's what Chris was wanting to talk about too. So I'm sure Jordan was under lock and key for a long time because of the brand deals and the NBA agreements and stuff. So, yeah. Chris, what would you like to talk about tonight? Uh, So, I'm I'm really been kind of thinking about the dehumanization of professional athletes. Uh and by that I mean, you know, they're not allowed to make their own decisions. They're not allowed to to think the way they want to think without people insulting them or or people thinking that they're entitled to controlling their opinion. Yeah. Yeah, and that sounds I, like a great topic too. Yeah, that does sound like a good topic. When I was growing up, Chris, I used to watch professional sports from time to time. I had friends who liked to watch professional sports. And I can remember that back in the day, you would just watch the sport and the players were passionate about playing the sport. Then around the time of Colin Kaepernick kneeling, sports started to change. People started to take politics into sports, and it's very obvious. Look at the NBA teams after the George Floyd riots. They were all wearing jerseys that said Black Lives Matter. We all know now how corrupt Black Lives Matter truly is, and we were predicting that from day one on Typical Twist. Hey, now, Josh, I do have to interrupt you just for a second because not all the players did. Jonathan Isaac, huge shout-out to him. I mean, that, that yeah, he had balls. Yeah, he had major balls. I mean, he had bigger balls than LeBron, Kobe, and Michael Wait, Jordan. Wait, he didn't wear the shirt. He and didn't he participate didn't in Black Lives Matter. He didn't kneel and he didn't wear the shirt. He stood up during the national anthem and he never And wore he it. didn't get vaccinated either. I don't know about that part. I, I know, of course, Kyrie Irving. I'm pretty sure. But, um, but yeah, Jonathan Isaac, I had so much respect for him when I seen that because. Everybody on the Magic was kneeled and wearing a BLM shirt, except for Jonathan Isaac. So that I'm sorry, I had to cut you off there because I just had to, you know, give him props for that. Because to all of our listeners, Jonathan Isaac's black. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pray. Yeah, so you can't scream throw that racist. Out there. You can't scream racist. I mean, the guy's black, guys. I mean, I- <laughs> right. So, and actually I'll go this far. I think he's actually more black than LeBron. I, I know. Cause you know, that's a thing now, Josh is if you're, cause I've heard, I've seen people on Candace Owens, Twitter, and they say, well, she's lighter. So she don't really have that much room to talk. And it's like, 
What? Oh my like, god! When did that become a thing? Crap. When did that become now a thing? Now we got to take it. Now, now we're taking into account how black they are. Yeah, exactly. So that apparently matters now. <laughs> so for our listeners, wow. I'm pretty sure Chris and Josh can back me up, but I'm pretty sure Jonathan Isaac is a shade darker than LeBron James. So yeah, not racist. I don't know. Yeah. To be honest, I don't know. <laughs> I would agree with you on that one, Tony. He definitely is. He's going against all of their agendas. Well, yeah, I mean, look at Kyrie Irving going against the whole vaccinated agenda, which I respect that a ton, too. I mean, I'm not sure what his political well, just, stand is. But. Oh, yeah. I remember it used to be cool to hate on Kyrie and like all sports media was just calling him stupid and all these things. And now that it's not a rule anymore, like they made the exception for entertainers and athletes, everyone, it's like cool to love him again. It's it's weird how things flip flop. Well, I mean, honestly, so this comes, on, on oh, that ahead. right there, like. And I'll say this real quick. I know it's not really about the vaccination, but I do want to point. They made a huge mistake when they allowed him to come as a spectator. And then on top of that, allowed him to sit with his team and to go into the locker rooms. That pretty much, in my opinion, that sealed the deal. How can you defend like the mayor, the CDC, whoever, I don't care who it was. How can there is no defending that there is literally zero defending that. I mean, you have no leg to stand on. So like court case wise, like as far as a legal standpoint, I knew as soon as I read that he got to go in the locker room, I thought, Oh, if this guy wants to fight this, he he's a winner. I mean, he is, there's no way you can not win that because they didn't ban him from anything except playing the game. <laughs> so Jonathan Isaac chose not to get vaccinated. Oh, awesome. Okay. I did not know that. So him and Kyrie, they need to team up. They need to come up with some kind of well, sadly, activism I, within the NBA. Sadly, because... I think uh, Jonathan Isaac got hurt, right, Chris? I know you're the sports buff one here other than Jake, but I think Jonathan Isaac got hurt with an ankle issue, so he's not playing the rest of the year, I think. I, I have no I'm idea. I'm not too sure, to be honest with you. Um, oh, okay. Jake, Are the Magic well, even well, in the playoffs? Huh? No idea. Hmm. I have no idea if the Magic are in the playoffs. Well, I don't think so. Well, if uh, if Jake, if you listen to this, maybe you can fill us in on your episodes. So. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, can you expand a little bit more on how people within professional sports are becoming dehumanized. I know Kyrie's one example, but do you think that these players are not able to express who they truly are off the field or off the court and use their voice for what they really want to stand up for? Or how are they being dehumanized? Yeah, everything you said right there is pretty much fits fits the whole. Um, and for, for my example here is with uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, he mentioned something about not, you know, feeling respected on the team, uh, and Twitter and everyone just goes after him so, so hard. And I mean, this guy, you, they take three sentences out of a 90 minute interview and just make it entirely bad, even though it was a great interview. And like, if you come out of that after listening to him, like, Oh, Baker's a piece of shit. He's a, he's a punk. Then you got something wrong with you. I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. And and they're not it's not a matter of they're not able to. I think they're intimidated to 
to not. So they're afraid to speak their mind because they're afraid of what people are going to say. Can you elaborate on the Baker Mayfield situation? What did he say that they were flaming him for? He just said that he didn't feel respected on the team. This isn't like in quotes, you know, but um, that that's pretty much all he said. You know, he just, it, it, they talked about it. Why for, doesn't he feel respected? I, I don't even know too much about it because I just, I, I just heard about it. I watched a podcast and I thought it was a great show. I thought it was great. And then uh-huh. I hear on the media, you know, Baker Mayfield's trending on Twitter 20 minutes after that. And everyone's talking about him and about how, oh, you, you get paid millions of dollars to throw a ball. You shouldn't have any complaints and all this stuff. It's like, you know, like <laughs> I would want the same amount of like I, I see where he's coming from completely. Yeah, he's he's just expressing how he truly feels and he's getting hate for it. Yes. And you're not you're not like protected from being hated. That's not what I'm saying. But yeah. I think people are misconstruing what he said, and the media is also doing that on purpose. Of course, because that's going to get more clicks. It's almost Notice like... Notice how the media loves controversy? It's, it's almost like they're saying, we're paying you this money basically to be a robot. You do what we want, you say what we want, you act how we want you to act. And I feel like that's what you a lot of these stars... The script. I feel like that's what a lot of these stars are going through. And, you know, you take people like I'm not very familiar with the the case that Chris is talking about. But going back to Jonathan Isaac and Kyrie Irving just on their two issues, you can see it. I mean, I'm sure behind closed doors, Jonathan Isaac got a load of hate from his team and his coach for doing what he did. Like there's just to me, there's no question. Um, But, you know, people like that, I have so much respect for because they do go against the norm. Kyrie Irving got hate in front of the whole world by James Harden. Well, I mean, I don't understand cancel culture for first off. I don't really think cancel culture is a real thing. I think it's all make believe Um, because, you know, like going, going the opposite direction here, guys, Morgan Whalen country star. I don't care much for country music. Personally, I'm not a big country music person, but his record sales have skyrocketed since the whole scandal with him. So Joe Rogan. Yep. I mean, he made a song with Lil Durk. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so to me, if cancel culture was real, them guys wouldn't even be on the map anymore. Joe Rogan would be canceled. You know, Morgan Whalen would not no longer have, you know, any kind of record deals, but it's exactly the opposite. I mean, and if cancel culture is real, why the heck does Candace Owens still have a Twitter account? (laughs) I mean, so I really do think that cancel culture is basically a phenomenon that people has created to basically try to hold people captive that are able to fall into that little ball of junk. If you want to call it that. And what I was saying is earlier is I'm not saying these people are forced to say certain things. They're pressured into not saying things is what I'm getting yeah. at. Yeah. And you're right. I would agree. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's an important topic and not just with uh, sports. Well, here's the thing, guys. So back in the day, Jackie Robinson, there were players in the MLB who were super racist towards Jackie Robinson when he first entered. And I think that this is a perfect example of a similar event going on within these teams you take someone like Kyrie Irving or Jonathan Isaac 
they're getting hate from people on their own team. Yeah, and it's really sad because, I mean, just like you said, Jackie Robinson, great player. I mean, I even read a story one time years ago about Willie Mays getting a lot of racial hatred or racial tension back when he, you know, was in the Major League Baseball, you know, and I, both of them were great players. Kyrie Irving, Jonathan, I, all these guys are great players. They worked hard to get to where they're at. And it's, yeah. it's all that's thrown out the door. And honestly, Josh, I don't know how you and Chris feel, but I feel like it's starting to trickle down even into NCAA. So I hope it doesn't. Well, that's why they probably started the whole, you can pay players in the college yeah. football. Yep. Cause now they can that, intimidate them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're able, to, they're able to monetize their name and they can, they can do that. But if you know, you get college athletes to have so much influence, like in the past, you know, like people like Johnny Manziel, you know, um, they're the, you know, they're the biggest athlete in the country at well, a time. You know, as somebody who I would love to have one, I'm sure Jake would probably like to have him on his show. So Jake, when you listen to this, if, if we're able to get him on our show, I will make sure we'll try to get him on your show too. But LaMelo ball, I think the, the ball family kind of set the bar a little different. And I think that's why the NCAA started this whole, let's pay our players because now with the world of social media, I think we all can agree that LaMelo Ball was way more famous coming into the NBA than 99% of your rookies. So they know they have oh, yeah. they know they have influence. They know the they big have baller influence. brand. That's a big deal. Oh, I don't yeah. know anything about sports, but I know that name. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I think the NCAA seen that because obviously I'm sure you know this, Josh. I know Chris probably doesn't. I know Jake definitely does. But the Ball family was trying to create their own league, and I they they did to a certain degree. But I, they were wanting it to be much bigger than what it achieved. They wanted it to be basically like the next NBA, which it, it's not there. I don't think it's ever going to get there. But they were successful in creating that scare tactic. Like, okay, fine. You want to shove us around? We'll go create our own league. We got millions of dollars. We got millions of followers. And they did a really good job because even though they're not quite up there with the NBA, I think we can all agree that they have a super awesome brand going for them right now. So, yeah. um, and I think the NCAA seen that. And I think that's what created this whole mess. I mean, nobody's ever told me that nobody's ever came out and said that, but I think the I ball think it definitely family, factored into it, Tony. I think the ball family is the one. But I also who, think the whole getting these players into contracts and, Chris referred to selling your soul in the last episode. And a lot of times you're not actually selling your soul, but you're just signing away who you are as a person in these contracts yes, from people exactly. who have more money than you. Like I'm not saying by selling their soul, they're sucking this orb of energy out of them. I'm just saying that they're, they're taking away their, uh, you know, their ability to express themselves how they want to at any given time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a great point. And honestly, and I think Hollywood's a perfect example of this too. That's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah. I mean, I know for Warner fact, Brothers and Columbia Pictures, all the yeah. big companies, they're the ones who decide what's put on the big screen. I mean, look at, and, look at Harvey Weinstein, Josh. Harvey Weinstein, great. I mean, when that story broke, I mean, yeah. it's just. They, I mean, I feel like Hollywood and athlete uh, sports is basically the same. 
Uh, they don't really, yeah. a lot of people in the game anymore, like high up in the game, like these team owners, they don't really care about the person. They care about the money. That's either the money or the yeah. sex. That, that's what they care about. I think in sports, it's more about the money, but I think in Hollywood, it's more about the sex. Um, well, that's the unfortunate thing. So all of these people that are very successful in their given field, whether that be entertainment or sports, they sign away their soul by signing these contracts and then they become slaves and the people that adore them are slaves essentially because they spend all of their money and their time and their energy consumed with these people or these events and everyone's just slaves in society well, I mean, don't you think it's awfully funny and not turning this, It's a circus, Tony. Don't not turning this political, but I want to ask you and Chris, don't you guys think it's funny that the only Hollywood superstars, I don't know about sports figures, but Hollywood stars that came out and supported Trump was self-made. I mean, most of them were self-made or people who were very seasoned. I mean, you had yeah. Christy Alley, but Christy Alley, obviously super seasoned. She's been in Hollywood for years and years and years. You had Kanye West, who's self-made. Nobody controls Kanye. I mean, I think we all can agree with that. I mean, you got mm-hmm. Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne, nobody controls Lil Wayne. I mean, he's self-made now, basically. I mean, he really is his own boss. I mean, everybody who came out. ASAP Rocky. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Kodak Black. <laughs> But didn't he free ASAP Rocky though? I think ASAP Rocky kind of yeah, felt obligated. He, he, he kind of felt free obligated. <laughs> and I think that's the same with Kodak because he parted in Kodak. Yeah. But here's something that I was thinking about before we came on air because I wanted to prove how we all are slaves in society. A few episodes ago, we talked about money and wealth. And I remember a statistic about 5% of Americans are millionaires. Well, over 55% of our politicians currently in Washington, D.C. are millionaires. Yep. And if you look at people such as Nancy Pelosi and other people who have been in there a long time, their wealth has increased by astronomical amounts. And they're worthless. Do you think that's from their ability to influence the markets and stuff and they're able to invest in it indirectly and oh yeah it's insider trading all the time yeah they shouldn't be able to trade stocks while they're in there in my opinion i'm all for and i think that's also why term limits should be introduced so then we can recycle through people and ideas more often and i was actually just talking to a friend today in dallas texas and they brought up that same thing they're like well if you ever ran for office you'd be probably against that because you like the trade. And I'm like, no, honestly, I would be for that because I'm actually a moral person. If I'm in a position where I can influence a decision and I know it's unfair, then I need to withdraw myself from that. Like that to me is just common sense. It's common courtesy to the American people. If I do, if I ever decided to run for office, like Nancy Pelosi, she ran for office to serve the people, not herself. So if I decided to run- And she talks about how- all these poor people need to get all these governmental subsidies and help and support. And she's got four houses and she's worth $180 million. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. It's, Tell it's, me we aren't slaves. It's ridiculous. 
and that 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 yeah so he was very shocked he's like you and republicans have similar issues too tony there's a lot of republicans that are liars to their constituents and i wanted to bring this up on air we talked a little bit about madison cawthorn a couple weeks ago i think right guys yeah we did but anyways today one of his former workers staff members uh she's coming out and she is accusing Madison of not letting her leave for family emergency. And she had her uncle die and her dad have a heart attack. I th- think it was, I'm sorry. I'm looking on my phone. Somebody, oh, her husband work. had a heart attack and her uncle died. And Madison said that you couldn't be let off work or that's what she's claiming right now at the moment. This story's just breaking and I'm getting it from get- the New York post. We got to start getting but, someone on the calls with us to look stuff up as we talk. Yeah. Yeah. That good idea. Would, it would be a good idea. And I'm not going to well, lie, Chris, Josh. We don't really have the budget for that right now. So. <laughs> of course. Yeah, we do, Josh. You just send them gift cards over there to him. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so she went on to claim the congresswoman's <laughs> office. Madison's office in North Carolina was filled with more liquor bottles than water bottles. And to me, that's just so ironic because there's so many politicians in D.C. who have drug problems and they are not the people who they claim to be to the public, to their constituents, and they're there for the money and the power. And it's unfortunate. And a lot of people have had enough of it. And it's going on both sides of the aisle. And I just believe firmly in my heart that there are so many of us out there that are in the middle and want the best for the average American. When 55% of your politicians are millionaires, but only 5% of your whole population is millionaires, then where's the DEI? Where, you know what I mean? Yeah. And honestly, to where's her, it at, Tony? to her, I would just, went, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe this is me. Because I mean, I've I've never been in that position, but if I ever am, that's exactly how I'm going to handle it. But if I have a family emergency, it's not going to be a matter of if you're going to give me it off. It's a matter of how you're going to work it out because I'm going, you know, that's the way it's going to be. So like if I like the way she handled that is totally different than the way I would have handled it. I've been like, listen, I'm not asking. I am telling you I'm not going to be here. Yeah. So you can get off your ass and find somebody to replace me for that time period or fire me either way. And I'll get unemployment. Don't really matter to me, but I am letting you know <laughs> that yeah. I'm not going to be here. Like, you know, there's a thing called common courtesy and there's a thing called common sense. And there was neither yeah. one used in that, in that situation. And if you would let people, if you let your so-called boss or employer, run over you, they will abuse you more and more and more and more as it goes. And that's just the oh, fact yeah. of life. You become an object to them. Yeah. Don't work for those kind of people. Until work you with put people your foot you can down. build and grow with. Well, no, you can work for them, but you got to put your foot down. They ain't going to fire you because they know it costs way more to train, way more to rehire. They're just doing that because they know they can push you around. She was wrong yeah. for not executing her right. That's what she was wrong. And he was wrong for not letting her off. Exactly. Exactly. I want to give you guys an example of a politician that's been in Washington, D.C. a while and how much her wealth has grown. 
So Judy Hsu, who's a Democrat from California, entered uh, the House of Representatives in the year 2008. In the year 2020, 12 years later, her net worth sat at $7.1 million. So she had less than $100,000 to her name when she entered. And 12 years later, she accumulated $7 million. Wow. That's just one example. But that's what goes on. It's all about the money and the power. And America deserves better. The youth deserves better. Well, I mean, I mean, another good story, Josh, is look at Obama. Obama, when he first went in as president, he wasn't worth hardly anything. I mean, he was an attorney and blah, blah, blah. Like he was well, he was well off. I mean, I'm not saying he was like poor or broke. But guess how much is his net worth is today? $70 million. So, yep. I mean, these people are making, and to me, I don't have no respect for people like that because you're, you're making, you're rich, but you're not rich because you're successful. You're rich because you're really good at being a criminal. And yeah. there's a difference. These people are master manipulators. They're liars. Yeah. Like if I wanted to smile manipulate, if I wanted to manipulate people out of money, I could do that. I mean, anybody can do that really with, with a decent brain. I mean, you can manipulate people out of money all the time, but like that to me, it's just amazing that people put success with that. That's why I hate when people say, well, you know, Obama was so successful because look at what his net worth is now, or they judge somebody off of their money. But then, you know, in the back of everything, the reason they're worth that is because most of their acts were criminal and whether they want to admit it or not, like you may not physically go in and put a gun to somebody's head and steal money from them, but you are stealing money from the American people. When you go into oh, a public yeah. office that pays you in the presidential place, that is the presidential speaking $400,000 a year and you leave office eight years later and your net worth is close to $70 million. There's an issue. I mean, yeah. that, that's common math. I mean, unless you're retarded, you know, when it comes to math, that is, this that, is, that's just wrong. This is where I think America went wrong. And it was when they started to allow contributions to campaigns and they allowed lobbyists to run around. And I understand there for a while, there was probably a lot of resources that were needed to spread the word about certain candidates and to get it out to the public. But now we're to a point in society where we have the technology where we could come up with a public utility, a public app that is downloadable on both iOS and Android or on the computer. So every American citizen has access to it. And then from there, each political candidate from their party has a page or a website. And then even when it comes to debates, we don't need these propagandist machines such as NBC or ABC moderating bad debates that no one watches anymore. We could have people like Joe Rogan moderate different candidates. And I think that we would start to see a lot more of an actual representation of people, of the American people, essentially. And there would be less of a money and power grab and... I think that that would be probably a really good starting point. Oh yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I'd be. Will it ever occur? I don't know, but I sure hope so. 
I mean, and just to put Elon in, Musk. Yeah. And I just want to like clarify this, like, cause I know some of our listeners won't take time to do it. To put in on the Obama thing, I was saying in eight years, his salary would have been $3.2 million. $3.2 million for the whole eight years. $400,000 a year, Josh. But instead, he walks away. And not only not only $3.2 million in salary, but you got to remember, he's using the airplane, he's using the cars, all of that self-paid for us, from us. Taxpayers', Taxpayers. money. Plus, he walks away eight years later with $70 million net worth. Now, I would love yeah. for him to set down, and not just him, it ain't just Obama either, by the way. I mean, you look at the Bush family, they walked away much wealthier than before. Even Trump did. I'm even going to throw Trump under the bus. I mean, Trump walked away, I think his net worth increased by $600 million. Um, now, Trump obviously is a little different because he was already self-branded before he entered public office. So, I mean, uh, I don't know how you would figure him up because the Trump name is kind of like Michael Jordan's name. You know, it's all, it was already a brand. Um, but, I mean... The other ones would be easy because the Bush family, the Obama family, the Clinton family, all of their wealths increased mm-hmm. dramatically after public office. So, Well, here's the other thing too, Tony. So on this platform, on this public utility, you could give constituents access to bills that are being passed and you could give them like a Spark Notes version. And I think there could be a lot more transparency from the government to the citizen. And quite frankly... We, the people, need to stand up for this because we deserve better. We deserve transparency. We deserve accountability because we, the people, make up this country. And I'm tired of the big old fat cats with all the money and all the control just keep getting richer. Now, I do think that there's a lot of... Elon Musk is one person who's like really been surprising me, and I think that he has the potential to start a big movement and hopefully wake up a lot of people to a lot of the corruption within our country. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, like we talked before the call, I I really look for something very big and unique unless he buys Twitter. If he can work out that deal with Twitter, obviously not. Um, But I I really, uh, Twitter doing the poison pill. (laughs) That was, I mean, I knew that was coming. I feel like Elon knew that was coming. Uh, I mean, I've never went down the same road, obviously. I'm not saying that, but I've been around long enough to know how these corporations you know, act, uh, especially when things aren't going their way and they're kind of under the ball. Um, but I didn't think Twitter would actually pull the trigger. I didn't think they would actually, because uh, that's going to be a huge lawsuit. I mean, this is, this is I don't know how it's going to play out in the courts, uh, but, but anyways, with that all being what said. What happened? I'm uneducated. Well, no, no. I mean, honestly, what happened was Twitter pulled what they call poison pill, basically. I mean, that's what it's known as. And that's whenever you can basically renegotiate your stocks. Um, and in short, without going into a long drawn out uh, episode here, <laughs> it's basically they say their company's worth more than what it probably really is. It dilutes your shares, which in return makes Elon's Musk, or, I'm sorry, makes Elon Musk's shareholding much lower than what it actually is right now. So his shareholding would fall by about 50%, meaning he would lose about 50% of the money he invested. But the thing what the thing is is so will all of your other shareholders. They will lose anywhere between I, I think uh I think CNN business tried to say 15%, but in in my experience it's going to be closer to 20, maybe even 25% of 
what your actual shares are worth. That's how much your all your other shareholders are going to lose as well. So it's going to piss off a lot of people. Hmm. There is going to be a lawsuit, I'm, I mean, probably for sure. And here's the thing, Josh. Elon knew. I mean, I know he had to know. I mean, I don't know for sure, but you don't get to a position like Elon is in and don't expect every avenue before making a choice. So he knew whenever he bought them shares and he knew what his game plan was. He knew that probably this could be a play they would do. And of course they yeah. did. So that's why I think that there could be something on the back burner because think about it like this. If Elon Musk is still a major shareholder, which this would still make him a major shareholder, irregardless if they dilute or don't dilute, but they've already initiated that. So, mo but most likely they're going to do it. That gives him access to all their technology. So Elon basically has sealed the deal. He is now part owner of Twitter, like a major owner of Twitter. So, I mean, he don't own it, own it, but he owns a big chunk of it. So, you know, he, I don't know what his gameplay is going to be. I feel like that he did that because it's going to entitle him to some very, very strong incentives to pull people perhaps from Twitter that are more conservative, that are working for Twitter and bring them to his company, which I look for him to create unless he secures a deal. That with would Twitter. be so smart of him um, to go in there and get the really smart people in Twitter that are conservative. Yeah. I mean, it'd be super smart. Uh, and, you know, it was something similar was done to this, but it was kind of reversed. And that was with Apple back in the day. You know, the board of directors elected, I believe his name was Stephen Scally or Scott Scally. I can't. Anyways, he was the CEO of Pepsi Cola Company. He came over, took over Apple basically for Steve Jobs. Well, Steve Jobs and him got into basically a fight. The board sided with Scally and kicked Steve Jobs out of his own country or out of his own company. Sorry. And that's how Steve Jobs lost Apple at one time. And a lot of hmm. people don't know that story. But yeah, Steve Jobs got booted from his own company. And that's what inspired him to create a company called Next, which was a computer company that he created that to this day, Apple uses the software that Steve Jobs himself developed. And he also used that same time period to develop a company called Pixar, which is an amazing company to this day, which Disney bought off him. So anyways, that's a whole long history story. Sorry. But yeah, I think Elon Musk has something very, very powerful up his sleeve right now. I really do. Oh, yeah. He's waiting for the perfect time. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Yeah. All right, boys, you guys have anything else to add on this episode? This was a fun one. This was a fun episode. Yeah. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I got nothing else. I have nothing else either, man. All right. It was a fun one. I will catch you guys on Sunday and have a good rest of your day. Adios. Later, guys. See you guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. For more cool content like this, follow at Typical Twist on Twitter and Instagram and visit TypicalTwist.com. You won't regret it. See you next time on Typical Twist. <laughs>